Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Greece and Rome. Chapter 131, Norman Conquests. In 1078, the empire was in a worse position than it had ever been before. Almost all of Asia Minor had been lost to the Seljuk Turks, and the empire's other enemies were looking at it and thinking they could take some territory too. The army was in a terrible state and could no longer hope to become stronger by gathering troops from Asia Minor. The man on the throne was an old general who had no idea how to turn things round. Fortunately for the empire, Nicephorus Britanniates did one thing that eventually gave it some chance of survival. Michael VII had sent his best general to deal with the rebellion of Britanniates, but there had not been time to stop it before he marched into Constantinople. Usually when this kind of thing happened, the general would be sacked and blinded or exiled, but the new emperor did neither. Instead, he appointed him domestic of the schools, and so the young general, a man named Alexius Comnenus, became overall commander of the imperial army. The young man had fought bravely at Manzikert, and hadn't lost a battle since. Alexius was immediately sent to deal with the other rebellion, led by Nicephorus Bryennius, which he did with ease. Britanniates didn't welcome his general home after this success, though. He was afraid Alexius would become too popular, so he sent him to deal with some small trouble elsewhere. Alexius, of course, wasn't pleased, but he did as he was told. Nicephorus Britanniates made himself very unpopular in a short time. First, he married Michael VII's young wife, even though he was over 70 and poor old Michael was still alive. Then he refused to accept that Michael's young son Constantine had any claim to the throne. Worst of all, he completely failed to deal with the Turks, and within a couple of years, the Sultanate of Rum covered nearly all of Asia Minor, right up to the Hellespont. In the west, another enemy was making his preparations. Robert Giscard had agreed with Michael VII that his daughter Helena would marry the young Constantine Ducas. Now Michael was gone, there was no chance of Constantine becoming emperor, and so Robert's daughter would not become empress. Robert Giscard had planned to gain control of the empire by marrying his daughter to the heir, but now this plan had failed, he wasn't going to give up. He was determined to capture Constantinople and make the empire Norman territory. By 1080, he was ready. 1080 was a key year for the empire too. Britanniates was losing his grip and it was clear to everyone that something needed to be done. It was also clear that there was a man who people thought could do it. Even the emperor's wife realised it, and so she adopted Alexius Comnenus as her son. The emperor was too weak and too much of an idiot to protest, and he even appointed Alexius to lead a campaign against the Turks. Alexius knew his army was not strong enough to defeat the Turks, and he knew the empire was doomed if this silly old man remained on the throne. Not only that, but the silly old man had presented him with an army to lead, so Alexius did what he knew he must do. He and his brother Isaac led the troops into Constantinople in February 1081. The only question to be resolved was who should be the new emperor. Isaac was the elder brother, so it seemed logical it should be him. Alexius, though, had two things going for him. He had been adopted by the Empress Maria, and he was married to Irene Ducas. The Ducas family may have been rubbish at governing, but they were still powerful, and it was important to have their support. It was Alexius, therefore, who was dressed in the purple. Isaac, it seems, was perfectly happy with this and was loyal to his brother for the rest of his life. Unfortunately for the new emperor, things didn't get off to a very good start. When the army entered the capital, they decided they deserved some treasure 
and spent a whole day looting before they were brought under control. Britanniates tried to save himself by offering to make Alexius his heir. He had nothing to bargain with, though. Alexius commanded the army, and his friend, George Paleologus, commanded the fleet. Britanniates knew he was beaten and abdicated. He died later in the year. He was 79 years old, and had made a complete hash of running the empire for just over three years. Alexius Comnenus came to the throne aged just 24. Not long afterwards, his wife gave birth to a daughter. Anna Comnena will play an important part in our story, because she wrote a history of her father's life, which has survived to this day. It's called the Alexiad, and it's partly because of this book that we know so much about Alexius Comnenus. Alexius was the son of John Comnenus and Anna Dallasina, and was the nephew of the Emperor Isaac Comnenus. He'd been a commander in the army since he was 14, and was reckoned to be one of the best generals the Empire had seen for a long time. The task ahead of him was enormous, and would have been too much for most men. Alexius, though, was one of those very rare men. He was a great general, and he was a great diplomat. It was as though the talents of Nicephorus Phocus and Diocletian had been combined in one man. Maybe he wasn't as good an administrator as Diocletian, but his ability to get on with people and get them to do what he wanted was just as good as that of the great man. And he'll need it. By the time Alexius was proclaimed Basileus, the Normans were on the march. Robert Giscard and his whole family led the Norman army into imperial territory. It's probably time to introduce them, as they will play a huge part in our story. Robert's eldest son, Bohemond, was a blonde giant aged 27. He will be Alexius's most difficult em- enemy throughout much of his reign. Robert's wife, Sicil Gaita, was even more impressive. She was one of the tallest women known in the medieval world. She was immensely strong and an expert warrior. She virtually never left her husband's side and was one of his most important battle commanders. She loved a good battle. The battle that followed was terrible for the empire. The Normans besieged Durazzo, but the people of that city heard Alexius was on his way and they put up fierce resistance. In the end, though, they were not strong enough and the city fell to the invaders. Alexius and his army retreated and the Normans conquered city after city in the Balkans. As we've just heard, though, the new emperor was an expert diplomat. He knew the imperial army was not strong enough to defeat the invaders and he needed help. He also knew that nobody would come to help him just because it was the right thing to do. Alexius paid the enemies of the Normans in Italy to revolt against Robert. Alexius then paid the Western Emperor, Henry IV, to attack the Normans in Italy, and Robert Giscard rushed home to deal with the new problem. Bohemond was left in charge of the armies in the Empire. None of this mattered, though, if the Imperial Army was to remain as weak as it was, so Alexius set about strengthening it. The Varangian Guard were brought up to be the best fighting force ever known. Not only that, in the last years of the 11th century, they were mostly made up of Anglo-Saxons, or, as we now know them, Englishmen. These people had suffered under the rule of the most famous of Normans, William the Conqueror, and were eager for revenge. So, Alexius had got rid of the man who was going to cause him the most damage, but Bohemond was still in his territory. Again, the Emperor knew his army was still too weak to drive the Normans out, so he searched around for friends. He found the friends he needed in the Republic of Venice. Venice had been founded on a little series of islands soon after Attila the Hun had destroyed the nearby city of Aquileia. Over the following years, it had grown, and by the 1000s, it was the centre of a small but powerful merchant community. This meant it possessed the one thing the empire really needed, 
Boats, and lots of them. Alexius needed ships because the Imperial Navy was in a worse state than the army. The Venetians were expert sailors and very good at naval warfare. Alexius also realised he was never going to get the army in the state it needed to be in to fight the Normans and eventually the Turks unless he refilled the empty treasury. He realised he needed help from the church. Back in the 600s, Patriarch Sergius had voluntarily handed out cash to Heraclius to help him fight against the Persians. Alexius wasn't so lucky, because the Patriarch didn't offer. The Sebastocrator, Isaac Comnenus, the Emperor's brother and second most important person in the Empire, marched into the Hagia Sophia and summoned a meeting called a Synod. At it, he declared he was going to use an old law which allowed the Emperor to melt down gold and silver belonging to the church to pay for the release of prisoners. He wasn't going to use the money to get prisoners released, but that didn't really matter. Alexius had his cash. He got more by begging his wife's family, and his family, to donate their personal wealth. He needed it. Bohemond was slowly eating up the western provinces, and his father would no doubt be back before too long. Alexius sent armies to fight him, but they were defeated twice and the future looked bleak. By the spring of 1083, all of Macedonia and much of northern Greece was in Norman hands. It was in that spring, though, that Alexius managed his first victory. The emperor and his army reached Larissa in order to have another go at the Normans. Alexius was feeling more confident than he had for a while. At least this time he felt he had a strong enough force. Alexius Comnenus was a very intelligent and experienced commander, and he used all of his intelligence and experience at Larissa. Bohemond was laying siege to the city when he saw the imperial army approaching. It was getting dark, but Bohemond was confident and he turned his army round to face the imperial troops, looking forward to yet another victory. As the sun rose, the Normans charged. Bohemond was even more sure of victory when the two main sections of the imperial army ran away as soon as the battle began. The Normans charged after the fleeing men. Unfortunately for Bohemond, the running away had been part of Alexius's plan. He had waited until it was getting dark to attack because he wanted to cause confusion. Then the Normans would not notice he had personally led a small group of troops round the back of the Norman camp. The Normans were so busy chasing the soldiers who were running away, they left their camp unguarded. Alexius and his men silently advanced on the camp and took it completely by surprise. The imperial troops killed everyone, ate all the food and stole loads of treasure. When Bohemond got back to the camp, he found out what had happened. There was no food and no money and he was forced to call off the siege of Larissa. Alexius had let it be known there was money available for anyone who deserted from the Norman army and came over to the imperial side. Bohemond had left no money to pay the army, so he took his loyal troops and went back to Italy. Most of the men he left in imperial territory joined Alexius and he took back nearly all of the land the Normans had captured. Soon afterwards the Venetians took Gerazzo and then took the island of Corfu. These were handed back to Alexius. Robert Giscard was not pleased. Robert Giscard was not pleased at all. In fact, Robert was hopping mad. While Bohemond was in Greece, he had sorted out all of the problems in Italy. He'd even managed to plunder the city of Rome after a dispute with the Pope. In the middle of 1084, Robert Giscard decided he wanted the job done properly, and to do it properly, he'd have to do it himself. By the end of 1084, he was back in Greece. He set out from Italy with a fleet of 150 ships. Pretty soon he realised things had changed a bit. The Venetians were now very strong friends of the Empire, 
and the Norman fleet was smashed by the Venetian navy twice in three days. Robert Giscard was a better and more determined commander than his son though. The Venetians headed back to their lagoon city to spread the news of their great victory and Robert surprised them by attacking with every ship he had left. In the battle that followed, 13,000 Venetians were killed and another 2,500 taken prisoner. The Normans landed in imperial territory and again prepared for war. Now, many times we've listed the things that make a great emperor. And what is one of the most important of these things? Yep, a great emperor is often a lucky emperor. Alexius Comnenus had a very lucky break. As the spring of 1085 came round, the plague swept through the Norman camp. Soon, 500 Norman knights were dead, and Bohemond had been sent back to Italy to recover. Giscard, though, was not discouraged. He sent another of his sons, Roger Borsa, to occupy the island of Cephalonia. A few weeks later, he sailed out to meet up with his son, but it was soon clear that he was suffering from the plague. The ship he was on put into port and the north of the island in a little bay. On the 17th of July, 1085, the great Norman leader died, his wife at his side. The little sheltered bay he landed in is still called Fiscardo, after Robert Giscard. The Normans had needed Robert Giscard to keep them in order. After he died, his sons and nephews bickered over who was in charge. Bohemond, though, will meet again. He will prove to be Alexius's worst enemy in the coming years. Alexius spent the next few years dealing with the barbarian hordes from the north and fighting over a few islands with the Turks. In 1091, a more serious invasion happened. The Pechenegs were putting a lot of pressure on his army, and although stronger, the army was not good enough to defeat them. Alexius, the great diplomat, persuaded another tribe, the Cumans, probably by giving them buckets of cash, to attack the Pechenegs. The Cumans had no real quarrel with the Pechenegs, but the emperor had obviously made them an offer they couldn't refuse, and so they lined up with him, ready for battle. The battle, known as the Battle of Livunium, was a crushing defeat for the Pechenegs. They were almost completely wiped out by the Cumans and the imperial troops. Most of those that survived were brought into the empire and made to join the army. It was the best victory for the empire since the days of the Bulgar Slayer. It also made the other tribes think a bit longer about invading, as they didn't want to end up like them. Alexius Comnenus could be well pleased with his first ten years on the throne. He defeated the Normans and the Pechenegs, and the European part of his empire was better off than it had been for sixty years. He'd also used his diplomatic skills beautifully, and even managed to create a friendly relationship with the Pope. But there was something else that needed to be done. The Turks had captured nearly all of Asia Minor, and were still there. The Sultanate of Rum, though, had fallen apart, and now Anatolia was home to a few smaller Sultanates. This meant there was a chance of regaining the territory for the Empire. The Emperor knew he didn't have enough men to invade and drive the Turks from Asia Minor. He realised he needed more men, but he didn't know where he was going to get them, and he wasn't sure he had enough money to pay his allies. He needed soldiers, he needed an awful lot of soldiers, and he needed cheap, or preferably free, soldiers. And then, Alexius Comnenus suddenly had a great idea. The Turks were Muslims, and they'd taken Christian land. Alexius had made friends with the Pope. Alexius knew the Pope was no happier about the Turkish invasion of Christian lands than he was, so he appealed to the Pope for help. All Alexius wanted was some soldiers to help him get his land back. Pope Urban II, though, had a much grander idea. He called a church council at the French city of Clermont 
and declared the Christian holy lands had been taken by the Muslims and Christian land must be recaptured. He called for the Muslims to be driven out. He called for all the great knights of Europe to travel to the Holy Land and retake the holy city of Jerusalem. He didn't mention the empire at all. Virtually every knight in France, Germany and Italy pledged himself to fight this holy war and by August 1096 over 100,000 men were marching towards Jerusalem and the only way to get there was march right through the empire. Alexius Comnenus had asked for some help to regain his lost territory in Asia Minor. Pope Urban II had declared a holy war and unleashed the First Crusade. Our tale of the First Crusade from the Empire's point of view, though, will have to wait for a couple of episodes. Next time, we'll be delving into the history of the past three or four hundred years in Western Europe. So, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time. <laughs>